Welcome to LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Landing Page Optimization expert, Tim Ash, is here to show you what it takes to create optimal landing pages. LPO brings you detailed case studies, opinions, and analysis from the leaders of landing page optimization. Now here's your host, Tim Ash. Welcome back, loyal listeners. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, Landing Page Optimization. And this week, my guest is uh, Michael Ogord. Uh, for Americans, that would be Agard, uh, and it's still got some extra vowels in there. Uh, he's from Denmark. Forgive him. Uh, Michael, welcome. Thank you very much, Tim. Thank you for having me. <laughs> my pleasure. So uh, you're originally from Denmark. Um, lots of people say you look a lot like Ragnar Lothbrok on the uh, Vikings TV show. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Funny thing, we're, we're, we're almost the same age. He's, uh, he's like two weeks older than me. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. But uh, whose um, axe throwing skills are better? That's the real question. Oh, well, uh, well, maybe I'm better than the actor, but the guy on the TV show is definitely much better than me at throwing axes. You guys are just badasses. You know, I could just see these these tall, tattooed motherfuckers. Oh, wait, did I just say that out loud coming at you? Uh, Right on. Uh, Well, you seem to take that same kind of, uh, let's say, Viking fanaticism into your conversion optimization work. For those of us, um, of our listeners not familiar with you, can you give us a quick background about how you got started in the area and what you're doing now? Yeah, I've 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 been doing this for about seven years now. I I, I had a quick stint at an at an agency back in the day, uh, doing SEO, and then I kind of got sick of just generating traffic that didn't really convert. And then I kind of changed my angle to the conversion thing. And yeah, I've, I've spent spending the last seven years trying to get really good at that. So I've worked for clients all over the world, and um, in in all kinds of different uh, verticals. And uh, I've, I've spoken at a, a lot of different conferences. And that kind of led me to uh, to ending up here in Vancouver uh, at Unbounce, where I now uh, am the internal CRO guy. So I, I joined in July, and now my mission here at Unbounce is to uh, crank up uh, conversions. Uh, uh, so. Well, that's a very deep experience, and uh, and you said you've spoken a lot of places, including our our very own uh, conversion conference events, and you're going to be speaking at the one coming up here in Las Vegas pretty soon in May. Yes. Uh, yes. So, lo- very much looking forward to that. Uh, so, l- let's jump in. You know, I, I mean, I hear this this testing drumbeat, and I talk about that a lot. Everyone's like, test, 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 mm. test, 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 test velocity, testing mm. frameworks. Um, uh, what's your current thoughts about testing? Well, funny enough, <laughs> I uh, I used to call myself the split test junkie, and I was all of, I was all about you know just test that ha 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 test it test it test it, and the thing was, I didn't quite understand really what testing was all about, and I think one of one of the big mistakes uh, for me, anyways, and what I I I, ha- I I think this happens to a lot of people out there is that people learn about testing without knowing anything about statistics, and testing is really statistics, and it's a big, in my opinion, looking back now, it's a it's a huge mistake to teach people straight up A/B testing. You should teach them statistics, and then present a tool that's split test and say ah. You know, to get all your data, you can use this tool. Isn't it fascinating? So I, okay, I think so that. What are some of the blind spots on the statistics side? What are some people kind of ignorant of or doing wrong? Well, I think one of the biggest mistakes out there is is the whole ninety five percent confidence thing. People have a tendency to look only at that one number, and as soon as that tells you that you have a ninety five percent confidence uh, level, people to stop the test and assume that they can take literally whatever the result is. But if you go back 
if you go back to statistics, uh, you know, any, any advanced statistics book or not even advanced statistics book you'll read <laughs> will say that true accuracy comes from quality data and a large enough sample size to be representative. So notice okay, that. So, yeah, so, so let's go back to, to kind of the prerequisite. Yeah, so he's, like you say, uh, testing is about statistics. Statistics is based on probability. Probability makes an assumption that you have a steady population, and if you sample from yes. that group, then future people from that same exact population will, should behave the same. Um, yes. And the bigger your sample size, the more certain you are of your results. That's the basics, right? <laughs> exactly. You nailed it. And so, for, but the problem online then is that, uh, you know, we have, for example, a website. Uh, you might have a landing page. And on that landing page, you have people coming from maybe five different channels on three different devices representing age groups from, uh, you know, 20 years of age to 60. Uh, on times of day and days yes, of week. Yeah, yes. Let's just throw it all into one big, big mess. Exactly. That, that huge mess, right? And that means that you have some really, really polluted data. And, and if you're just running split tests where you're only looking at the average and not considering any of that stuff, well, then you're basically going to have really, really, really bad data. And nothing, I mean, confidence levels and sample sizes don't matter if you have really bad data. Well, so first, to make things worse, I mean, so the two big assumptions are, you know, one, sample size. Second, your population staying the same. The reality yeah. is that there's wicked uh, seasonality in many websites. And even if you had exactly the same audience, but they showed up a year later, they'd be kind of a more mature users of the web and would act differently. Totally, totally. So, so the first step, I would say, is to be aware of all this stuff. And then, you know, uh, uh, getting quality data means that you're actually aware of what, uh, how does this test affect uh, mobile as, a, as opposed to desktop? Do we even, do, should, are we, is it even correct to run this test on both the desktop and mobile? How is it affecting different channels? How is it behaving on different weekdays and so on? Also, yeah, uh, yeah, aver yeah, averaging is really a kind of a, a wicked thing. I want to say, you know, I, I'm going to use this analogy sometimes. But um, yeah, you can't mix mobile and desktop. That's really, really a horrid idea because both propensity to buy and to act is very different on the two and the context is completely different. The, the analogy I like to use is like um, if you have a 10-year-old uh, you know, uh, girl in San Diego and a 70-year-old man in New York City, that means quote-unquote, on average, your typical user is a 40-year-old uh, hermaphrodite in, in St. Louis. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and that's what your split uh, test results are going to reflect also. So, so another thing is, is uh, for your, your confidence level to be meaningful in any way, and it's not meaningful on its own, you also have to have... have I, mean, I mean, what we're going to back to here is the point that you're, that you're running a test to get a, an idea of how it would perform if you implemented forever for real on your website, right? So that means the, the key word here is representative. So you first and foremost, you need a representative uh, time frame to look at. You know, so you need to understand kind of what are our business cycles, how does it evolve, um, and also you need to know how long do you need to run a test to actually have a meaningful sample that, that that will actually tell us something. And then you can start looking at your your confidence levels. But when you look at your confidence levels, there's also something like a margin of error, and there's a confidence interval, and all of this has an effect. You need to understand stuff like p-values also. So, so my advice is I mean, just to go, go back to your statistics and, and read up on this stuff and, and 
all of a sudden, it will become much, much more clear to you how to run profits tests. Yeah, and by the way, you know, I, I do not trust the simplified reports on many of the testing tools. I mean, a lot of the statistics are based on A-B split testing. In other words, you just have the original and one other version that, that can beat it. When you start getting to even something as simple as multiple versions in your split test, you know, A, B, C, D, E testing, mm. you know, then uh, all bets are off. Then you have, for example, uh, four chances to beat the original uh, mm. and and the numbers don't work anymore. And again, unless you recalculate and do all that stuff right. But a lot of the testing software just give you your little confidence graph and yay, 95%, you're there. Uh, it makes no sense at all. I mean, I, I don't. Uh, I don't even look at the uh, the data from from split test tools. For example, I integrate all my stuff with Google Analytics, and I get my data from there because then I can segment uh, like crazy. And also, I, I manually calculate all the other stuff. So I use uh, a tool that. Yeah, well, I actually use an A-B test guide uh, that was developed by Online Dialogue in, in Holland, and I think that's the ultimate tool, and it gives you everything. It gives you your, your uh, p-values, it gives you your power levels, it gives you basically everything that you need in order to really do a deep dive. And also another, po- another point I, I, I would make is that personally, I, I, I'm not a big fan of running uh, split tests with too many var- uh, variants, not variables, but variants. So I like to do very, very simple uh, A-B tests, uh, one control, one variant, and then run that because it, it just gives you cleaner data uh, and it's, uh, it's easier to track your stuff. Yeah, and you, so here's a kind of a way to, to explain it. Let's say you had a 20 different versions in your split test and you got to one that was a 95% confidence level which is I think too low a number anyway but a lot of people use that Hmm. as their cutoff right Uh, well so what that really means is that you have a 5% chance that that happen that that uh, new version is better just randomly it just happens Hmm. to be random right well Hmm. if you have 20 versions in the test you would expect that one of them would would uh, be better just by random chance. So yeah. that, that's the problem. When you start getting too many versions in the test, um, if you're doing the wrong statistics on it, you're basically just not, it's not much better than a coin flip. No, no. And also another thing is that you need to increase your sample size every time you, you have another variant. So if, if there was a test with one variant where you pre-calculate your, your sample size to be 10,000, if you introduce a new uh, variant in there, well, then you'd need 20,000. If you introduce another one, you'd need 30,000. So you also need to understand how multiple variants uh, will uh, impact your, you know, your, your, your uh, sample size and the test duration on top of that. So I, I, I like to try to keep it as simple as possible, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, and then um, and then w- the the basic approach that we usually recommend uh, is you know having a small number of variations in your split test, and then if one ends up being a, a meaningful winner, then refining that one. So you kind of use that as the jumping off point, and then maybe change headlines or calls to action or other or other things inside of it, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I, 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 I always, uh, or <laughs> I've changed my ways. So within the last couple of years, I've gone from being the the split test junkie to a recovering split test junkie, and now <laughs> I'm, I would say, I'm more of a research junkie. So that's where I get my kicks now, and I, I do. I do my, my bulk uh, work up front doing research. And if the research tells me that, for example, on a landing page, there's 30 things that are, that are going wrong, then I'm not going to spend a month testing every little thing in isolation. I'd rather do something radical and then put everything together, do a radical version that, that has you know, more, more momentum behind it, test that, and, if, and, and then hopefully get a big impact by that one. And then you can maybe start 
reverse engineering it afterwards to understand the exact impact. But I yeah, mean, yeah. so let, let's come back to that. This is a, a lot to unpack here. And after mm. this break, we're, I want to jump into research and preparation mm. for your test. So we'll be back in two minutes after a word from our sponsors. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investments. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis. SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, Landing Page Optimization. This week, my guest is Michael Agard, and he's the Senior um, oops, sorry, senior Optimization Specialist at Unbounce. Did I get that title right? Senior Conversion Optimizer. Thank you very much. Um, I, uh, but you know, before the test, we were talking about testing, and everyone, like I said, has the drumbeat of testing going pretty well. But really, it's not. It's kind of like they used to say in the old programming days, garbage in, garbage out, right? So if you mm. test, test dumb crap, you're not going to get very far. So you know, uh, you're talking about preparing for the test and doing research. Tell me what, what that means to you and why you shifted your focus. Uh, well, I mean, I, I kind <laughs> I did all this this mindless uh, testing for a while, just uh, you know, just uh, just only looking at the average, not really considering how long the test should run and all that stuff, and and not segmenting uh, properly and everything. And then I, I did that for a while, and then you know, I just I just started seeing that you know these that I was getting so many imaginary lifts. I mean, I actually recently went back and looked at a number of of my previous split tests, and actually I was I was happy to see that going back with. With more knowledge now, quite a f- many, the bulk of the tests I ran actually kind of by coincidence had a large sample size and, and had been run for a, a representative period. But there are also a lot of them in between that they were, they were really, really horrible. So I, I kind of found out that, that a lot of these tests had uh, just um, you know, imaginary lifts. 
it, it wasn't really there. And then I was like, wow, that's, that's just not good. That's not what my work is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be imaginary stuff. And then I kind of made a conscious decision to really learn and understand this stuff. And then I have to give a lot of credit to Craig Sullivan, who's been uh, a mentor of mine. He's a close personal friend. We did a lot of work together and he, uh, he really helped me understand a lot of the stuff. And then I've gone off on my own also to try to, to try to get better and understand this. But what it goes back to is once I started understanding about, you know, t- t- testing and, and how long you actually need to run a test to get a proper result, um, that made me, m- made me kind of focus more on what I was testing because then I found out that it, it really... Uh, if if I, I end up running all my, almost all my split tests for four weeks, and, and not that that is a rule of thumb, you should do that. It depends on your business cycles. But in most cases, I see four weeks giving you a, a, a large sample size, a representative uh, test period, and also a test duration that is long enough to account for novelty effects and stuff like that. So okay, well let's but, let's back that up. So novelty effects. Um, so this is like anytime you change anything, people will react to it. So if you have a lot of return visitors to your site experience, yeah. they'll just react to the fact that something, anything has changed. They're not reacting to whether a change is good or bad, but the fact that they're now unfamiliar with something that they used to be familiar with, right? So it takes a while yeah. for them to actually appreciate the real impact of that. So you have to wait for them to keep coming back. Yeah, and that that depends, on, of course, on on the the, the the page you're testing, and you can get that from analytics and get an understanding of whether you have a lot of repeat visitors and 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 whether you know how big of an effect that will have. But but if if your basic premise, like mine, is I expect to run my test for four weeks, that means on even given page you have twelve shots a year. So you know that means that you better make those shots count. So that kind of already there, the whole approach of you know uh, googling what should I test and then getting the a hey, three hundred things you can test on your, <laughs> yeah, on your yeah, website. Yeah, two hundred tips for what to test. The yeah, com- exactly. The complete uh, ebook of CRO testing ideas. I love. Yeah, those. exactly. <laughs> right, and then and then you th- those ideas are not qualified by your data in any ways. There might have been someone at some point. Uh, in the history of the world who tested it and got a lift, that does not mean it's going to work for you. So that's just kind of uh, complacent testing, I'd say, because then you're just basically going, oh, we'll test this, no one test that, oh, maybe we'll hit something. Whereas I would rather spend the bulk of my time up front making sure that everything I'm testing is backed up by data and that there's actually, you know, uh, a method to the madness and that everything we're testing makes sense. So I want to pre-qualify it as much as possible. So really, instead of using A-B testing as a research tool, I'm using it as the last check to make sure that all the research I did and that, the hypotheses I built actually were valuable. That's all it should be. I mean, the thing that, that, that floors me is because it's become so central uh, to conversion rate optimizers, at least naive ones, and I'm sorry to say that. You know, when I yeah, yeah. hear, like, you should always test, you should only test, best practices suck, all of this stuff, you know, but, but it really what I'm hearing behind that is it's about testing velocity and, and uh, how many tests you can crank out, what your process is behind testing, you know, but it's it's really not about that. It's the quality of the insights that go into the test, and and you have to spend a lot more time on those. I agree with you there. Totally, and I I'll put it like this: your uh, your 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 test is only as good as your hypothesis, and your hypothesis is only as good as the data you you collected. And I think those you know that's very very important to remember. And and I think one of the things is just as human beings, you know. We, we like the easy way. If, if we're presented with an easy way and a difficult way to do something, we'll naturally gravitate toward the easiest way. And the problem is that, that split testing has been presented as a magical solution, which is, is not. It is only a tool, nothing more, nothing less. If you use the tool wrong, 
it's going to backfire and hurt you. <laughs> well, well, what's that? What's that um, kind of uh, statistical, uh, you know, truism that if you get um, a million monkeys and they type for a million years, uh, eventually one of them will type the collected works of Shakespeare. You know, well, yeah, <laughs> te- technically that's true, but yeah. that, that's that that's not exactly the efficient way to do it, is it? No, it's not very, and that, and that's exactly the point. Is not very efficient. Um, and and uh, another thing I think is is zero is still you know it's a young industry uh, still and I think it's it, it's at the the place where kind of C, uh, SEO was at uh, about seven years ago like everybody's is like crazy about it and it's a buzzword and everybody all of a sudden everybody is an expert and then you know the businesses themselves kind of have to learn by trial and error and and you know I so I'm I think that in six years you know it'll be a completely different scene and and CRO more people will understand what it's about like more people understand what SEO is about now and it'll be businesses will be better at being critical uh, towards the agencies they hire they'll be able to better qualify whether they're hiring people who actually know what they're talking about or people who are just you know a guy who's been doing so-called CRO for a month yeah and well I think that uh, you you opened up. A- big can of worms and I'd like to jump right in it. Uh, I think that uh, you're absolutely right. CRO is relatively immature, but I hope it doesn't become like SEO or PPC management, one of those just kind of like swim lanes in your matrixed oh, online yeah. marketing oh, no, organization. No. I see a much more strategic role for it. Our oh, biggest yeah. practice within site tuners is actually to enable companies to to do it internally. I, you shouldn't rely on an agency. You shouldn't long-term hire someone to, to, to get you better results. It's really growth hacking your business so a lot of I mean, even testing is way too limited a bucket to put things in in my my mind uh, you know for example sometimes you'll have to place bets like okay i need to get a marketing automation system and mm. i need to insert personalization into my mm. site experiences and that's nothing you can uh have, get data for because you didn't have it before you just mm. have to place the big bet um, build your marketing technology stack and then improve your capabilities that way it's not as, as you can't have the little crutch of testing all the time no, and 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 that's that's a that's a big mistake that uh, a lot of people think that CRO and A/B testing is is the same thing. It's it's definitely not at all. I mean, you can you CRO doesn't you don't need to do split testing to do CRO, and I think that's very important for people to understand. And another thing about CRO is is that it's I, I kind of see CRO kind of, and this might sound very arrogant, and uh, people might hate me, but I, I see CRO as kind of like golf. You know, you have these amazing as athletes who've who've excelled. In 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 basketball or whatever and then they end up playing golf forever because you can you can keep on improving at golf because it's so horribly difficult and that's the same with CRO it's such such an incredibly uh, uh, wide-reaching kind of discipline that you need to know so much about so many different things so you can yeah it's very broad yeah I mean I I I actually use the similar analogy of martial arts I mean you you go to a a top-level martial artist they're still you know kicking and punching but believe me when I tell you what they bring to that kick or punch and the results they get from it are very very different yeah, <laughs> person starting out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Um, so, so, but definitely, I, I think one of the, the most powerful things about CRO is is the whole data driven aspect, and and I guess that's also a word that people kind of misunderstand, and and I might not even have the right definition, but I think people have a tendency to think data driven is just looking at someone else's case study and going, oh, let's copy that. Whoa, I had, I had some. Data. <laughs> Well, that well, that's not really being data-driven. I think data-driven is having a process where 
data informs you to begin with. You say, here's an idea, and you go, ah, how can I qualify that? Well, you, data can be many different things. You know, I, I, I usually start with Google Analytics, and then I... Yep. I look for answers there, and I say, "Okay, so I need some more answers." Well, yeah, and, let's, and, let's, it, it's it's becoming a detective. It's digging in your business, <laughs> it's sticking your nose in everything. It's going to your CFO and saying, "Hey, what's the lifetime value of our clients? Has anybody right. ever calculated that so I can make some rational decisions on the investment that's worthwhile to get them on the front end of the of the process?" Right? I mean, yeah. you, your business may not have answers for that. It's it's your job to go and you know uh, chew on other people's ankles to get those answers. Totally. And just basic stuff. I mean, like doing a step drop analysis, going through your website and figuring out where are things actually going wrong? Where is the biggest problem here? What do we need to fix first? And then starting to build a strategy around it instead of just doing the, the, the old kind of, oh, well, you know, you should test your headline, you should test your button, you should yep. test your... <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, well, I, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, if your research tells you that the biggest problem on your landing pages are headline, by all means, go ahead. But it's just having that piece of information to in- inform you before you start going nuts with stuff is, is very, very helpful. And that is, is there's all this talk about how to move from tactics to, to strategy, and that's really how to do it. Because uh, once you well, do Let's explore work, that after the break. I, I'm afraid we're up on our, on our last commercial break. When we do come back, though, I want to... Explore your impulsive side. It looks like you turned your whole life upside down and, <laughs> and what, did a quickie wedding and then elope to Vancouver? We, 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 I got to explore all this. We'll be back in two minutes after a word from our sponsors. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Finding links to improve your rankings in the search engines is time-consuming and frustrating for many of us. The Hoth is the go-to company to help lighten your link-building load. Their white-label SEO was made specifically for agencies, in-house SEOs, and affiliates. The Hoth also offers high-quality custom local citation building to improve search rankings in Google's maps and localized results, providing fulfillment for some of the largest SEO companies in the world. The Hoth offers link and citation building services you can trust. Get $20 in link building or citation building credits free by going to thehoth.com slash radio, T-H-E-H-O-T-H dot com slash radio. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. 
And we're back. Your host, Tim Ash, here with LPO, Landing Page Optimization, here with my friend Michael Agard, uh, optimizing the hell out of Unbounce at the moment. Uh, <laughs> Michael, so you're living in Denmark. You have a wonderful girlfriend, fiance. Um, uh, you have vicious lawyers that are trying to prevent you from coming to Canada to work. <laughs> and at the last minute, you decide to do what before you went over there? Yeah, so so we've been engaged for a while, and then the whole uh, uh, f- 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 for almost a year, and then the whole uh, Unbounce thing kind of uh, popped up. Uh, Unbounce asked me if I wanted to join them over here in Vancouver, and that seemed like a kind of a dream come true. So, uh, but because of the delays with getting my work permit, uh, we basically after I got the work permit, I, there was basically one and a half months, and then we were supposed to be here. So everything went very fast. And then, uh, like two weeks before we took, uh, we were going to take off, and we we wanted to have this big wedding and stuff. I asked my 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 uh, well uh, fiance at that point said, you know what? We've talked about all this stuff and it not being romantic, getting married. Just you know, we didn't want to get married just to get married. But wouldn't it actually be really, really fucking romantic if we eloped? You know, will, <laughs> will you will you marry me? Uh, before we take off, and she was like, yes, let's do it. And then uh, the only available t- time where we could get married was. Uh, 48 hours before we were supposed to be on the plane to, to go to <laughs> Well, you know what? That, that actually fits perfectly with the Viking theme because I understand when Vikings would go and form new colonies, they would uh, look around, find a spot that they were happy with, and as a sign of their commitment, they would burn their boats on the shore so they couldn't get back or chicken out. Well, I, I, that's that's basically what I did because I sold my apartment, I sold my car, I I basically got a, a rid of well, we got rid of ninety five percent of our of our belongings and uh, really kind of uh, yeah eloped and uh, yeah burned uh, <laughs> burned your boat on the shore yeah like a new new life in the new world I love it so it's a, it's kind of just like a, a retread of the old Viking uh, tradition that, yeah that's true that's amazing. <laughs> Uh, well, well, let's let's come back to this this uh, thing we were talking about of um, you know, just um, r- really w- what the role of conversion rate optimization should be. How bold you have to be. I think that's what we're we keep coming back to is not doing timid testing to uh, doing things that matter because testing has a cost. Going beyond testing. So uh, you know, paint me a picture of the ideal. Uh, head of CRO inside of an organization. Oh wow! Well, I, I well first and foremost, and and this is always the kind of uh, uh, the difficult angle. You, you know, I, I think you need to have quite a lot of experience. So you know, that's always the kind of chicken and egg kind of thing. But anyways, <laughs> I think it's beneficial to have one with a lot of experience. Anyways, because uh, to be a, a valuable CRO, you need to have business experience. I mean, you need to have uh, you know a basic idea of how a business works and what makes business sense as far as making decisions. Right? We're here to make money, not art. And uh, and then secondly, you need to be a uh, you know have strategic um, powers or whatever you want to call this strategic strengths because again, CRO is not about tactics, it's not about testing buttons and and headlines. It's about you know being able to build a strategy for how to you know improve a business. Uh, and then I'd also say that you really need to you need to have I guess I guess empathy. You need to have an understanding. Of how everything impacts your users, you really need to be an uh, an advocate for your users. That's one of the reasons why I spend so much time talking to uh, the people in customer success because these guys spend all day, every day, every week, every month, every year talking to customers. They really understand them, um, 
and then there's well, you need to be strong in statistics. Also, I say that's a very you know a huge advantage because it's at the core of everything we do. So we're really looking at a very strategic uh, role here—a person who has a foot in in you know in 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 the business camp, but also in the you know the customer camp, if you can say that. Um, so really much more than just a person who sits down and gets, you know, f- uh, funny ideas of what to, to test next week. Right. So inside the business, you have to be a detective and turn over every rock and look for numbers and, and, and ask a, a lot of why questions. Yeah. Uh, you know, how, how does the business operate? How do we make money? W- what should I be trying to optimize? Where can I find the biggest levers for that, right? Yeah. And w- what enabling technologies do I need to do that? And then, like you say, the outside role is making sure that you're co- you, you, the, the pendulum is de- always too far in the I'm thinking about my company camp. So you have to drag it kicking yes. and screaming to the yes. I want to care about what my prospects and customers think. Spend oh, yes. 80% of your time over there. Oh yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And also, I mean, one of the things that I've I've spent a lot of time doing when I was a consultant, and I mean, I, I guess I, I kind of do the same thing at Unbounce, is kind of being the advocate for for the users, or or being the person who says, "Wow, interesting. Why?" I mean, asking the question, "Why?" I spent when I was you know freelance consultant. I that was you know. I spent so much time asking that questions at meetings with you know clients I had and, and you know meetings with marketing and sales and stuff. Said ah interesting why? <laughs> yeah, and by the way, if you peel that back to do two or three layers of why, then you'll start yeah. really getting to root causes, and that's when it gets yeah. interesting. But most people don't have the discipline to do that, uh, or the introspection, or 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 willing to spend time uh, doing usability tests and talking to people and interviewing them and all the other stuff that goes with it. No, I agree, and also what I've seen in in, in a lot of Danish companies, anyways, and I'm, I mean, yeah, I'll just use them as an example. Uh, is is the fact that uh, I've been surprised at how many uh, companies kind of has, it's almost like they, they they see a bigger perceived value in constantly changing and constantly hiring new consultants to start over rather than actually moving the needle. It's very interesting. Um, so I've I've found it to be you know quite a quite a challenge to actually get the traction. To really, really, you know, do a long-term project because it seems I even have one client I've been doing amazing, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but it was really, really good work. And every month I could show them that they were making more money. And then after six months, they're like, "Well, haven't we been doing that CRO stuff long enough? Isn't it time to hire someone new?" And I was like, "It blew my mind." It was like no one would ever say, "Oh, let's uh, let's stop with that strategy stuff." Or, let's yeah, you're, you're making you're making too much money, and you and you you have too fundamental understanding of our customers. <laughs> yeah. Let's- <laughs> Let's change it up. Something's not working here. Yeah. yeah. And then, well, and, yeah, it's it's absurd, but yeah, we've seen that happen as well yeah. with clients. So you're just not the flavor of the month anymore, and they want the next shiny object, whether it's social media or whatever. Well, unfortunately, we've used up our half hour. Uh, loyal listeners, thank you for uh, spending the time with us, Michael. Always a pleasure. I know we've gone for hours. Uh, look forward to seeing you at the show. Those of you that aren't familiar with Michael's blog, check it out: contentverve.com. Content v e rve.com great stuff thank you very much michael thank you tim always a pleasure talking to you thank you for having me and loyal listeners we'll see you on the flip side The 
This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.